0: Delusions run strong on this podcast. Rich Outfield has them. I have them. Our guests have them. If you listen long enough, you will have delusions too. The journey into podcast is proud to present this journey into a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A journey into Star Wars, featuring numerous delusions of grandeur. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Star Wars Delusions of Grandeur uh, here on the Journey Into podcast. Uh, My name is Marshall Latham, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, Rish Outfield. Hey there, Marshall. Thanks for having me back. Hey, it seems like it's been forever since we got together to talk about anything.
1: Doesn't it seem that way every single time, though? I I mean... Probably, yeah. It's
0: only been a month. I think it was the end of August when we got together last. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's all right. Here we are again. Here we go again. (laughs) This year has been so many years put together that it's only natural to feel like it's been a super long time <laughs> yeah
0: i had a co-worker that said that he just knows that uh we're all going to celebrate on new year's eve but when it turns midnight it's just going to be december 32nd instead of <laughs> the next year
1: Yeah, i saw a cartoon somebody had posted on facebook and it was somebody at 11 59 p.m on december 31st and they, they were super excited for the switching of the years and then a minute later it's 1160 2020 <laughs> and there's your disappointment yeah well hopefully there are people that listen with bated breath that are super excited every time a new episode drops yeah i would hope so maybe that's wishful thinking
0: <laughs> maybe two or three people out there maybe
1: that's a delusion
0: of grandeur. Oh, uh, well, hey, you know, we, we have another sketch that Rish put together and produced uh, for us here. And uh, it's titled Tell Me Once Again Who's Bad. And so, yeah, we'll be featuring that at the end of the show. But uh, before we get to all that, last year, when we got together in October, we kind of did a a Halloween-type episode. We talked about some of the the monsters and things of Star Wars and uh, we're not really quite prepared to do that this time but uh, I did pick up last year I had heard about this comic book series called uh, Tales from Vader's Castle and it was a bunch of scary stories that were told in the Star Wars universe and uh, last year I missed out on that, but last year they came out with uh, Return to Vader's Castle, and so I did pick up all of those uh, comics.
1: Well, did you get these because you were interested in them, or did you get these because you knew we'd be able to talk about them in an episode?
0: Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> I was intrigued that there were scary stories, you know, scary Star Wars stories out there um, in comic book form or in any form. And uh, we had talked about a couple other attempts at at horror in the Star Wars universe last year. So, yeah, I thought it would be good material to talk about here on the podcast. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, send them to you in order for you to to read them as well. But um, maybe, I, I guess, before we get into that, was there anything else Star Wars related that you wanted to talk about?
1: No, this is sort of the the deep breath before the plunge before mandalorian season two starts up again and i wanted to get an episode in here before that madness begins uh (laughs) there is there doesn't seem to be a lot of news going on but uh i mean we can always talk about the toys if you want to talk about the toys but yeah i guess we could talk about that, that that you know by the time this episode drops mandalorian season two will be right about to start And stores, toy sections in stores, should be overflowing with Mandalorian figures. Uh, And they're not. I have yet to find a Mandalorian action figure in 2020. I mean, Hasbro should have gone crazy putting these things out. Not to throw them under the bus again, but it's been a year. And they know how popular this show is. There's no reason... For them not to ship entire cases of this mandalorian character in all the scales and yet for some reason he's as hard to find as db cooper (laughs) db cooper there you go maybe i dated myself with that reference as hard to find as the lindbergh baby
0: (laughs) well yeah i heard they were coming out with a cara dune figure
1: they are reissuing last year's (laughs) cara dune action figure as a target exclusive it's a repaint. It's the same figure. It's just in uh, brighter colors. And I fully expect that to be impossible to find. Just like any oh, okay. of these Mandalorian toys have been... I I don't understand their reasoning. I guess we talked about this last year, that they sort of took a bath on uh, Rogue One figures and huh. Solo figures especially. And then they really... Uh, pulled their punches on the Rise of Skywalker figures. They didn't know if they would end up all going on clearance or not. Uh, But the thing with The Mandalorian is, like I said, it's been a year. They know how big a deal this is. Unfortunately, Disney Plus doesn't tell us how well these series do. Um, So we can only guess. (laughs) But it seems to be the biggest series Uh, In the last year or two, everybody's talking about it. It's got a huge fan base, and a lot of this fan base would buy action figures. They, They have announced some. Sure, there's a new Mandalorian in his Beskar armor. There's the Armorer. There is a repaint of the heavy infantry Mandalorian. But where are they in stores? They should be so easy to find. Right. Bosk forbid a kid wants to have a collection, or start a collection, or just have a Mandalorian figure. I I don't get it. I don't know why they haven't just flooded
0: the market with these. Yeah, you'd think they'd be all stocked up and ready to hit the market. but I don't know what else to tell you there. It's just, they paid all
1: this money for the license, they have to pay it again to renew the license. Take advantage, man. You guys,
0: yeah, should know by now, you'd think they put out like a a moth gideon figure with the dark saber or something like that too. That would be kind of neat
1: it would, and yet they've not announced moth gideon um there there is a replica of the dark saber and it's it's not really a, le- a replica but it's a toy yeah like the lightsaber toys you know that you spin or swing around and they make a noise uh, but it's not mandalorian branded it's clone wars branded uh, maybe historically the clone wars toys sold really really well and more so than the sequel movies did or this this new tv series but i just i i don't understand i feel like an adult would buy a dark saber, yet they're they're aiming it toward the kids. I don't know. i sorry about that. I, I I went off the rails just talking about this thing. But I really like the action figures, and if I could find more, I would sell a lot more.
0: Yeah, and I guess we did get the the trailer for Mandalorian season two, and it didn't tell us much, but uh, it kind of got me excited to start the new season i, I kind of wanted to start watching season one again and uh, lead up to and i still can i guess i did watch the first episode again of mandalorian season one it was kind of neat to go back
1: so are there 10 episodes right of the season
0: one i think there's only eight episodes so i had watched the first episode and uh, it was kind of fun to go back and watch that knowing you know, what the season would would had in mind where last year when I watched it, you know, I didn't, I was just checking it out for the first time and getting a read on who the Mandalorian was and what this, you know, what was different and uh, how it tied into the rest of the universe and things like that. But now going back and just watching it, it was kind of neat to see knowing what's coming up. So yeah, I'd like to watch the rest of those before season two starts. I would too.
1: I'll see if I can get the kids, my nephews, to watch it with me. and
0: if we People can... keep talking about having watch parties and things like that, but I've never known how to set something like that up.
1: I don't know. I, I, I know I harped all about this last year, but uh, Disney could have made a couple million dollars if they had decided we're going to theatrically release uh, the first couple episodes of Mandalorian yeah. ahead of when they drop on Disney+. I would have gone, I would have driven really, really far to see it that way, even if we're in theaters with masks on, with nobody on either side of us selling them at 25
0: or 30% capacity. <laughs> I guess before I mentioned it, had you heard about these, these uh, comics, the Tales from Vader's Castle and Return to Vader's Castle?
1: Just from you, just from when we did that episode, uh-huh. was it two years ago? They're put out by Marvel, right? They're
0: not, actually. I thought they were. But when I uh, got them, they're uh, actually IDW comics. Which I didn't... I guess I knew that there was an IDW comics, but I didn't know that Disney had anybody other than Marvel doing them. Um, But I guess these are Star Wars adventure comic books. And uh, so they're a little bit more geared toward a younger audience. And I wasn't aware of that either. <laughs> but they were still enjoyable to read and kind of fun to go through. I, I haven't read, like I said, the first series of books. And I was kind of interested in that because there's an Ewok story in there. And I didn't know how dark they got with the Ewoks.
1: Well, how, um, how dark can you go with Ewoks?
0: <laughs> well, I guess, you know, they were going to cook up Luke and, and Han there for dinner. So that would be an interesting take but having them eat some of their some people that came to endor but yeah i don't know if they went that far or if they went more the mystical you know similar to like the uh cartoon or whatever of the ewoks i don't know what they did there um, But the thing i liked about these is the framing device you know it's very much like a um crypt keeper tales from the crypt Kind of thing where instead of the Crypt Keeper, you have Darth Vader's servant. And I always forget his... Oh, Vene or vene or something like that. That's V-A-N-E-E with the accent on the last E. And we've seen him. We saw him in Rogues, Rogue One. Um, He was the servant that went and uh, fetched uh, Darth Vader out of his meditation. When Orson Krennic came to visit, and I don't, I don't know if we've seen him other than that. That's the the thing that stood out to me was where we've seen him. But it's it's him, and he's he, at least in this second series, he has a a captive that he's torturing, and while he's torturing him, he's telling him these stories. <laughs> so that's kind of a fun plot device, you know. So it every comic starts with him. Talking to this person and there's kind of a little bit of intrigue with that where the captive escapes and he has to go find him, and uh, that kind of thing, but That's just kind of the peripheral of them, but each each comic book has its own little tale and Some are better than others, but I guess um, I'll probably save uh, What I thought the best one for for last uh but the first the number one comic is um called the horned devil and it starts out there's there's these four younger characters that are dumped onto a planet um of lotho Man- minor there's this robot captain of a of a ship and he dumps them on there and pretty much says if they survive the night then they can join his crew and so They're going through the planet and they end up falling through to these caves. They're going through these caves and they encounter Darth Maul. But it's the early Clone Wars version of Darth Maul where he's crazy and he has the spider robot legs. And uh, he's just kind of talking nonsense and coming after them. And eventually they they capture him with like an electric net and they bring him back on board, the Salvage One. And it turns out that, so one there's this group of, of kids, I guess they're kids. There's one human, one Nikto, and then two other um, type of aliens or whatever. And it turns out that the Nikto knew that there was, um, that he was there to capture Darth Maul, or something that was on this planet, and it was like his test to be first mate on the freighter, and then the others were just kind of there for for bait or whatever. So they weren't too happy about that. Um, but then it, another twist comes in, and it turns out that Darth Maul or Maul is the one that led him there, and he escapes on the ship, and they're fighting with him, and uh, in the while they're fighting. A cargo bay door opens and maul and the nikto character uh, fall back onto the planet and so it's kind of you know this this character that was plotting against his friends or whatever uh, ends up with maul on the planet and running away so that's kind of where it leaves the tale: is uh the unknown fate of this nikto character uh, so that that was kind of fun um i don't know if you ever saw the the spider leg mall character on uh, clone wars or not but I,
1: I didn't see it on the cartoon but but they did make an action figure of it uh, in the 375 inch scale and so i i do know what he looks like with the the spider legs
0: yeah it was very strange to see him in that that way but It was kind of cool that he was, you know, so he was just kind of crazy and talking nonsense and kind of ominous in that way. But two of them that I won't spend too much time on. um, There was uh, one. The last comic book in the series was called Night of the Lava Zombies. (laughs) And so you can tell these are very pulpy names, you know, like like I said, kind of maybe aimed at a younger audience. So this one, he tells the story when an Imperial envoy came to Mustafar to demand to know what Darth Vader was doing or whatever. But while he was there, um, there was a group of Mustafarians who were attacking the castle and um, they had these like insect monsters with them. And it turned out when they attacked the stormtroopers and bit them or whatever the the stormtroopers became zombies too and they were infected and then uh they were led by this mother saul or sssl soul it was kind of like the leader of the zombies and they were all in in her thrall and then one of the zombies bites darth vader and it looks for a while like he's become a zombie too, and he's going to attack the people. Um, but then at the last moment, he turns the tables on the, the leader of the Mustafarians, and you know it turns out that, of course, they had bitten him on his robotic arm, not his mm. real arm. And then uh, he takes over the leader of the zombies, and he and then through his will, she demands that the zombies drag her into the lava pit and so you, you know you hear her screams and stuff like that And i guess the endings of these are kind of ominous or whatever where uh like i said it, it's kind of a tales of the crypt ironic ending kind of thing or at least you know you, you picture the horror that's going on but it doesn't go out of its way to show the horror of what's going on but that was probably the weakest one to me um One of the things
1: that uh, William Gaines did back in the EC Comics days with Tales from the Crypt and uh, Vault of Horror and all those is that these would be bad people. They would be uh, morally reprehensible people. And so you enjoyed it when they got their comeuppance at the end of each of the stories. Uh, And it sounds like maybe that's something that's going on here, too.
0: It is that, yeah. Every, I think every one of these episodes kind of ends with that same thing where the bad character, the person that we aren't supposed to like, you know, gets their due or their comeuppance, like you said. In the Horn Devil, it was the Nikto character that betrayed his companions. And then in this one, it's the leader of the zombies that Vader is able to turn the zombies against them and they die at the end of that. So, so yeah, it's very much like that, but it's, you know, stuff we're familiar with in Star Wars, which is kind of, it's a little bit different to, to see that in a Star Wars story. But in the same frame, it's it's kind of neat to see somebody try that or, or to do that. Another tale was the Vault of the Living Brains. And this features uh, Jabba the Hutt, but his cousin. And I. this is another thing that from the uh, Clone Wars. I always hated the hut episodes because all the other than Jabba, all the other huts are just these weird characters with weird voices and characterizations. And I don't know. I didn't like any of the other huts except for uh, Jabba. And so this is kind of a similar thing where his cousin Kraka the hut comes to visit Jabba at his palace. And um, she has a peace offering. She has a, I hadn't heard of this kind of monster or alien in uh, Star Wars, but it's a Huna Netre. It's just this big thing with these huge tusks that come up from the bottom of, his, of its mouth, and it's just this big beast-type monster. Um, but she brings this to add to Jabba's collection, and Jabba pits it against it, these hounds that he has, and it wins the fight, and so then... He welcomes Kraka back, uh, into his good graces. But then, of course, later that night, Kraka sneaks around and she goes deep into the palace, into the catacombs. And apparently, um, the palace used to be owned by these, uh... Bomar monks? The Bomar monks, yeah. And, um, uh, apparently they, uh, they were the original inhabitants and they, uh, they removed their own brains from their bodies in order to contemplate the mysteries of the universe better, but there was this thief who came to to take the brains or whatever long ago, named Zerill, and apparently um, he was counting on some uh, robot mercenaries that he worked with that they would come and save him before, because he kind of said, "Oh, I want to join your your order." And he was expected to be rescued, but he never was, so his brain was also deep in these catacombs. And uh that's what Kraka was trying to get, because he would know all these secrets from the the Bulmar monks. But of course Jabba catches her in the act and the, the brain of, of Zoril gets damaged. Um and then uh So again here at the end uh Jabba as punishment Jabba has kraka's brain removed and uh, installs her in the catacombs, her brain in the catacombs, along with all the other ones. Um, so in a way, that's kind of neat, too, other than, you know, didn't care for Kraka that much. But um, one of the things that I noticed when I was reading this comic, and maybe you know more about this, you know the little spider droid thing that's in Jabba's palace? I don't know if, if you remember what, seeing that. The Bomar
1: monks, yeah.
0: Oh, those are, okay, because it has a little brain that's that's tied underneath Right, there's it. like
1: a fishbowl underneath.
0: Yeah, I never noticed that until I was reading this comic. I guess I just thought it was a little spider droid, but I didn't know the history of the, the Bomar monks or anything like that. But the the little spider robot brought its little thing out to remove Kraka's brain to add to the catacomb. So I thought that was kind of neat. I, I didn't know anything about that, but... Did you, so you just learned that by reading stuff on it well or?
1: yeah they they talked about them in that anthology book the tales from jabba's palace from the
0: 90s oh okay that's where you got it from and gotcha. then
1: they did make an action figure of it uh and it was <laughs> yeah it was a spider and it had the fish bowl underneath it and i i don't remember if there was a brain or not but huh. there was a, a figure and i thought that it was cool
0: was, was that at a Hasbro Black Series thing, or was it something just a little Kenner thing?
1: Well, yeah, by this point, Hasbro had bought Kenner, so it was Hasbro. But it was in that small scale, the three and three-quarter inch scale. Uh, huh. I just, yeah, you, you never really see the Bomar monks in Return of the Jedi. You just see it in the background as 3PO and R2 are coming in. Huh. But of course, they had to build that, and I'm sure it was a puppet. And so it was detailed and really neat. And I, I just, I always liked the design of that because I like spiders. And then the idea of a robot spider uh, is appealing to me too. Wild, Wild West notwithstanding.
0: Yeah, because back in the Kenner days, I mean, that was what everybody was going for. They wanted the Walrus Man and the Hammerhead and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: yeah, back in those days, they would put out. Figures of characters that had no lines, that were on screen for a second or less. It was just one of the things that made Star Wars so special from the beginning, is that so much love had gone into the design of these aliens. They had so much personality and detail to them. Even though you see them like this, and then they're gone. I always liked that about the toy line as a little boy. And as a grown man, I wish that they would do that with the Black Series. You asked about the Black Series. The only Jabba's Palace denizens we've had in the Black Series are a Gamorrean guard, <laughs> and then a, a Jawa, hmm. which is technically, you know, from Star Wars, from A New Hope. They've really shied away from putting out Jabba's Palace characters or Cantina aliens. That's so strange to me because I feel like <laughs> my generation would scoop those up. That's true. We love all those yeah. characters. You know, they've not made a Bib Fortuna, they've not made a you know Doctor Evison, The you know he doesn't like you or a Ponda Baba, the Walrus Man, and yet they've made a you know a, a Vice Admiral Holdo action figure. It, it just bigger deal is, than Holdo. It's something that I don't understand. They seem to have very very limited slots available in the Black Series. And maybe they know what sells and that these things don't or wouldn't. But you'd have to put a couple of these out and have them not sell to learn that lesson. Yeah. If it were up to me, I would have an action figure produced of every single character that the Mandalorian encountered. In that first episode, when he goes down into the sewers, it seems like he passes like four or five different armored Mandalorians
0: and I want a figure of all of them. Well, that, and especially the armor because she had the little horn thing on her helmet and just very distinctive. You know, she had the fur around the uh, the shoulders and things like that. That you think that would, well, I'm sure it would sell like hotcakes. So,
1: all right, well, I got two more of these. Well, hey, you say that these are made for kids, but these stories seem
0: yeah. Imp- I mean, I, I think it's more mature than like Goosebumps. And the things that we're talking about, you know, getting your brain cut out and being drug into the lava and things like that, you know, it's pretty mature. (laughs) But, you know, then again, I don't know, you know, being a kid today, they might be used to all that stuff. I do enjoy reading it. I I realized pretty early on that, you know, it's really not for probably my age. But then again, so much of Star Wars and everything is so much built toward the old guys that uh you know it's probably good that there's something like this out there for a younger audience to kind of get them pulled into it so I, and i think that's what this whole star wars adventures brand or whatever of comics is about is is i, I think some of the the new high republic stuff is going to come out in in the the star wars adventures formats for kids as well but it's it's still kind of fun you know if i if i put my own flavor on it with you know thinking with uh tales from the crypt in mind you know i could put a darker edge on it than maybe uh what was intended but uh the next one i'll tell you about here is from the third comic book and uh it's kind of a little uh, homage or whatever um you could probably tell from the title it's called bop Shabop little sarlacc horror um, so it's kind of a little <laughs> homage to uh, Little Shop of Horrors. But um this one has Assage Ventress in it and when she was a bounty hunter, and um she's on level 1313 of Coruscant. And um there's this crime lord named Lasazi Makran. and um he's hiring her to discover why people are disappearing. In uh, level 1313 and so she goes out and she investigates she doesn't know what it is but she discovers there's some there's a like a tentacled monster that's grabbing things and pulling it out and uh, just before she's about to figure out what it is she gets shot in the back and left for dead but of course she didn't die and um, she uh, tracks macron's son uh, Mesor, back to his House or lair or whatever, and uh, she finds out that he has a, a pet young sarlacc. This is what's been killing all the, the things down in the in the level thirteen thirteen. So they have they fight or whatever, and then you know he's like, oh don't it's just a baby, you know it's not going to hurt anything. And she goes, well babies grow up, and but then the sarlacc ends up eating Mesor in the middle of their fight. But then Assage uh, finds out that the Sarlacc has been laying spores everywhere, and there's tons of, of uh, little baby Sarlaccs that have been multiplying down here. And uh, she kind of lures them all into her ship and then blows them all up. And then kind of the, the coda of it is uh, Macron refuses to pay her because his son was killed or whatever, and she said, We had a deal. But there was one surviving Sarlacc, and she leaves him alone in the building with the Sarlacc, and you hear him screaming in the background as she walks away. So once again, we have the guy, the bad guy, or the guy that was trying to cheat her out, getting his comeuppance there. But the one I thought you might enjoy the most was um, titled The Curse of Tarkin. So we have our favorite uh, Grand Moff. Here in this story, and he arrives at, on an imperial shuttle to a star destroyer for a surprise inspection, and uh, so they're scrambling and trying to uh, meet his demands or whatever. But then this transport sho- shows up, and it's coming really fast at the star destroyer, and they can't stop it, and it rams into the star destroyer, and you know breaks a hole in there, and this monster comes out, just a really huge guy with. One furry arm and one arm with a claw on it, and then, um, I always forget the name of the race, like in Phantom Menace, where uh, the chancellor had two different uh advisors or whatever, and one of them had the he was blue and he had the horns that kind of hang down below. Do you know what alien that I is? I
1: don't, the one that goes order, oh,
0: yeah, I can't think of it, but anyway, that's that's he's got the head of one of those guys, and um. Just starts terrorizing the everybody on the Star Destroyer and but he he says he's looking for Tarkin, that he wants to destroy Tarkin and he calls him father. And so basically what we have is a Star Wars version of Frankenstein's monster that we find out that as part of an experiment that Tarkin was overseeing, probably the part of the Tarkin initiative, you know, where we get Triple Zero and and uh Huh, okay.
1: Seems like it was B T one or something like that.
0: Yeah, BT one from the Dr. Afra and Darth Vader comic. It's probably a similar thing here where he was experimenting on, you know, building a monster kind of thing. But yeah, it's very reminiscent of Frankenstein where he's calling him father and wants to destroy him and says, you made me, don't you take pride in your work kind of thing. But Tarkin, he's very coy and very dismissive of it. And, you know, he kind of taunts it as he's talking to it you know saying oh you're such a disappointment and you know you could just picture Tarkin talking to this you know monster just putting it down all the time and um as he's talking to the to the monster over the the comms he leads them to part of the ship where he's attached these uh unremovable plasma mines to the central power core of the star destroyer and so and then we see that he's actually now escaping in his shuttle pod and he's going to destroy the entire star destroyer to kill this monster. And then we see the creature kind of being the creature ends up sacrificing himself to to allow the crew members to escape and um there's some talk in there about how he saved himself to uh protect everybody from the real monster. Hmm. And uh, that of course being Grand Moff Tarkin. So I, I just like that was probably my favorite one, just because Tarkin's in it, and he's, the way they portrayed him was typical Tarkin, you know, with his, he's better than everybody else kind of thing. That was pretty cool. But all in all, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, it wasn't as dark as I thought it would be, but I don't think that's what it was intending to do. Anyway, hopefully our listeners enjoyed that little Horror aspect of Star Wars there talking about that, but it kind of makes me want to write a a horror story set in Star Wars Universe. I probably said that last year though too.
1: Nothing's stopping you.
0: Yeah, so yeah, you know, we talked about different forms of uh Star Wars, and I think you've definitely contributed to uh a lot of comedic takes on the Star Wars. I think the last one we, we did that was uh, of that was the Turnaround Jedi, <laughs> where we had good old Count Dooku. Hey, man, where'd my Dookie go? Um, but you wrote another one since then. And uh, today we're going to present your sketch of what's the full title of it? I, I believe it's called Tell Me Once Again Who's Bad. Tell me once again. Okay. I knew there was a who's bad in there, but I, I knew there was more to it. And you had talked to me about this a while ago and, uh, kind of told me what you were thinking about. And then I didn't think about it again. And then, uh, you just kind of said, Hey, I, I did this. It's in the Dropbox. Why don't you listen to it and we can put it on the next episode. And, uh, as I started to listen to it, I remembered the discussions we had had before. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's this one. And, uh, enjoyed it quite a bit so we wanted to present that to you here today to kind of cap off the episode we're kind of shifting from a a horror aspect of star wars to again more of a comedic take um, but you had some help with the uh production of it
1: yeah that that's right i asked our friend renee chambliss if she would help out uh doing one of the voices uh, probably saying what I always say, you know, she is a professional audiobook narrator. That's what she does for a living. And her talents are in great demand. So I'm always worried about asking her <laughs> to do this stuff for us because we don't pay her. And it's probably the last thing that she wants to do is, you know, do audio for somebody else after that's what she did all day. But she was willing and she does a great job as usual. And I, I write these sketches. I've written quite a few and I feel like some of them are beneath her. Some of them I can just do all the parts myself. But I, I just liked the idea of having an actual girl voice on this one. And, yeah, And so it was fun to hear her do an accent as well
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i definitely enjoyed the end result so yeah let's let's play that for the listeners now and uh we'll talk about it after after it's done
1: okay yeah we don't have to set it up in any way just enjoy if you can tell me once again who's bad by rish outfield tobias stasia come here please What is it, Father?
2: Are we in trouble?
1: No, no, not at all. I just wanted to have a little chat with you before I ship out.
2: You're leaving Coruscant? Ship out where, Daddy? That's the
1: thing I wanted to tell you. My orders came in and I'm leaving on a destroyer tomorrow at 0800 hours for my new Imperial posting.
3: Is it a Star Destroyer, Father? Yes, the Disembowler. The Disembowler is famous, isn't it? That's right, Stasia. Most kills in the fleet three months running.
1: Congratulations, Father. Yes, well, well, that's not my assignment. You see,
2: what's Disembowler mean?
1: Why, but that's when you slice someone across the stomach and, um... And what, Daddy? Well, their uh, uh, insides tend to spill out. Yuck! How awful! Yes, well, the name's unfortunate, but that's not where I've been assigned. It's merely ferrying me to my new posting, the Imperial Battle Station.
3: Hurrah! You mean the Death
2: Star? Ah, uh, yes. That's what it's been recently designated. Yes. What's a Death Star? Well, it's a
1: gigantic space station, Tobias, capable of near-light acceleration, manned by thousands, and absolutely state-of-the-art and completely impregnable. Death, though? Death to who? Whom, dear? Why, death to the enemies of our glorious galactic empire. You mean the rebels? Rebels, yes. Uh, dissidents, plotters, malcontents, those who refuse to bow to the will of our almighty emperor and fall in line with righteous imperial decree. Uh,
2: I don't like the emperor, daddy. He's scary.
1: Oh. Don't say that, son. Emperor Palpatine is our venerated leader. Brilliant and strong, and not at all scary.
2: I saw a hollow of him last Order 66 Commemoration Day. He has yellow eyes.
1: Well, I'm sure it was a faulty hollow, son.
3: I saw it too, Father. They were indeed yellow. Well, try not to think about that.
1: Think about the honour I'm bringing the family by serving on the most
3: powerful mobile fortress ever constructed. Are we going to live on the Death Star then, Father?
1: No, no, it's a military operation. No children allowed. Though maybe one day you can come and visit.
3: Call me Oddsway says the Death Star can blow up whole planets. Well, yes. I suppose that has recently been declassified, too. Indeed, it can. And does it blow up stars? Is that why it's called that? It's uh,
1: probably called that to strike terror in the hearts of evildoers. Don't you cross the Empire, children, or the Death Star will get you. <laughs> that sort of thing.
3: Can the Death Star blow up a star?
1: I uh, I, I don't know, Stasia. It's... It's certainly possible.
2: Why would you blow up a star?
3: You wouldn't, son. Father, what would happen to everything in a system if you blew up its star?
1: Obviously, everything would freeze uh, if the quakes and
3: shockwaves didn't
1: tear it all apart before then.
2: Really? That could happen?
1: Well, I'm certain it's a moot point. As far as I'm told, the Death Star will only target planets.
2: Daddy, what happens to the aminals on the planet when you blow it up?
1: Now, I wouldn't be blowing it up, Tobias. (laughs) The Death Star would. But the
2: aminals...
3: They blow up too, stupid. Like the people. The people blow up too? No! Uh, There, there, son.
1: I'm sure it won't come to that. See, merely the The threat of blowing up a world should be enough to force the dissidents back into line.
3: What's a
2: dissident again? Someone who doesn't agree with us. With the Empire. So, dissidents are bad? They most
1: certainly are. Any more questions? What's the name of the ship you were
3: just serving
1: on? Oh, Stacia, you know perfectly well it was the Imperial Cruiser Chopping Block.
3: Well, that's not very
1: cheerful. It's just a name, dearest. They never actually chopped heads off on that ship the whole time I was assigned to it. Well, that's a relief. We tended to electrocute our prisoners, bisecting them by lasers
2: on rare occasion.
1: (laughs) Any other questions?
2: Why is the Emperor so scary? Son, you mustn't say that about our
1: revered and venerated Emperor. He may be watching us, even now.
2: With his yellow eyes? Why would he watch us? To
1: make sure we're doing all we can to keep him in power, to keep the Empire
3: in our hearts at all times. They say the Emperor can kill people he doesn't like just by using his mind. Is that true? Of course not, Stasia. The Emperor would just have Lord
1: Vader do it.
2: No, not Lord Vader. He's scary too.
1: Yes, he is quite frightening. But all by design, I assure you.
2: What does that mean?
1: It means his skull-like mask, his black-clad appearance, his deep menacing voice. It's all to intimidate his enemies, to strike fear in any who would oppose him politically, or face him in battle, or stand near him in a freight elevator.
3: Is Darth Vader evil, Father?
1: Well, I... uh, That's a silly question. He's on our side. How could he be evil?
3: (laughs) But they call him the Dark Lord of the Sith, don't they?
1: Yes, I have heard that title a time or two. Uh, it, It may be honorary. And who were the Sith? Oh, it's all ancient history, that.
3: Weren't they the evil Jedi? The people who used the power of the dark side of the Force? Where did you hear that? In school. Wouldn't that make Lord Vader evil? Well, no one's completely good or completely
1: bad children. Even Darth Vader.
2: What's good about him, Daddy?
1: They say he's an excellent pilot. And quite smart. Smart people can be bad, Father. Yes. Well, I understand he has thwarted many assassination attempts on Emperor Palpatine himself. And just last year, he prevented a bomber who was targeting Governor Tarkin from- Oh
2: no! Governor Tarkin is scary too! He has that skinny face with the mean, frowny mouth!
1: Looks can be deceiving, Tobias.
3: Well, Tarkin did have all those protesters burned alive in front of the citadel last Empire Day, Father. We saw it on the hollows. He even laughed about it, said the fires were a bright point in an otherwise cloudy day.
1: Well, Moff Tarkin's an acquired taste, Stasia.
3: He laughed, Father.
1: I must not say anything against Tarkin, children. A uh, uh, Grand Moff. Harkin, that is, I'll be working for him on the death, st- uh, the
3: battle, the, the the space station. Father, is the Empire bad? <laughs>
1: Goodness, no, Stasia. the The Empire is all about order, a peace and order, and doing things the right
2: way. It's the rebellion that's bad. Do they kill people with their minds, Daddy?
1: Well, no, thank goodness.
2: Do they put fire on people holding signs in parks, Daddy?
1: Not to my knowledge, but they can be just as ruthless as the worst gangster or space pirate.
3: Do they have weapons that can blow up worlds? No,
1: they do not. And that is why they will soon be no more, and everything can go back to normal.
2: We will have peace, prosperity, and be happy, like we were before you children were born. Do the rebels have stormtroopers, Daddy?
1: No, only the Empire has stormtroopers.
2: And the scary black ones? How about those? No, only us.
3: What are they called again, Father? The black-armoured stormtroopers?
1: They're, um, death troopers, sweetheart.
2: And the rebels don't have those?
1: Listen, children, the rebels are a small, poorly organized group with hardly any resources. They're not going to be able to train elite cadres of personal assassins. A lot of them are farmers and teachers and medics and mere factory workers.
3: And these are our enemies, father? Well, good talk children. Now, I'll go pack my
1: things. (laughs) Just think, when next you see me, you'll have to address me as Chief.
3: Chief what? Well, uh, Chief Daddy will do fine. No, he's right, Father. What is your new position going to be on the Death Star?
1: Well, I uh, will be Chief Torturer on the battle station. Starting Monday. I'm sorry. Chief what? Torturer. It's hard to say with this accent. And
3: who will you be torturing, Father? Oh,
1: criminals, enemy aliens, terrorists, various rogues and 'er ne'er-do-wells, probably spies and traitors. Not Imperials, if that's what you are worrying
3: about. But no women, though, right, Father? Well... Yes, there there are female spies and traitors, too. Really? Yes. Loads of them, I imagine. But no children, then, right? Well, I was
1: told there would be the occasional child I'd have to work over with my equipment and my interrogation devices. But always for a good cause.
2: Like what?
1: Well, for example, uh, if the child's parents won't cooperate or give us the information we need. We've been known to break a few kiddie-sized fingers from time to time.
3: Oh, father!
1: I- I'm sure it would be a rare occurrence, sweetheart. And droids, daddy? Oh yes, scads of torture droids will be under my command the latest styles and designs. Brutal things,
2: unfeeling and
1: quite incapable of it. En- no,
2: Daddy. Will you be torturing droids? Um,
1: yes, quite often in fact. Sometimes just to keep my techniques sharp and the equipment calibrated.
2: Daddy, no!
1: Well, I'm sorry, but droids are not people, son. They're not living beings with rights or privileges. They're even lower than slaves.
3: Father, about the slaves.
1: What about them?
3: What is the Empire's policy on slavery?
1: Well, it uh, varies from species to species.
3: Is the Empire against it?
1: Oh, well... Oftentimes, a species doesn't have inherent freedom. That sort of thing must be earned. Meaning what? Meaning, yes, there are some aliens that were born lesser and it's only natural to buy and sell them as slaves, but
2: not human beings, though. Not human beings.
1: Right, with rare exception. Do the
2: rebels? Oh, Tobias, enough
1: with the questions. The rebels are made up of all colors and shapes and sizes. It's part of what makes them inferior to us.
2: I don't understand. Me neither. Listen,
1: we, the Empire, pride ourselves on our heritage, on our unity, on the beauty and purity of our ancestry. You see? No. No. Just look at it this way. The Rebels may well have some rather monstrous, frightening aliens on their side, with big eyes or sharp teeth.
3: But the Empire doesn't employ frightening aliens. We enslave them. Of course, or sometimes exterminate them. Once again,
1: making the galaxy a better place for everyone. For your generation,
2: children. What does exterminate- Kill, Toby. It means kill. Daddy, are we the bad guys?
1: Of course not. What a silly question.
2: Are you a bad guy? that That's
1: something you can learn for yourself. About yourself. When you wear this officer's uniform and proudly serve the Galactic Empire.
2: Oh, I don't want to be an officer. I'm going to be a droid programmer and repairman. And I'm going to be a public relations agent.
1: Well, perhaps we are the bad guys after all. Good day, children.
0: (laughs) So, So there's, uh, who's bad? I always forget. What is it again? It's tell me once again who's bad. Okay. Yeah. That, that that was pretty fun. I I really liked the the characterization of the kids and the dad kind of being befuddled in how to answer some of their questions. Just a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that.
1: Well, yeah. What was yeah. your? Oh, you were asking the exact same thing. I was about to explain. So the the reason that I wrote this. Was a few years ago, so there was a, a a British comedy sketch show called that Mitchell and Webb look, and it aired between 2006 and, and and 2010. And there was a sketch that uh, it was a very <laughs> famous uh, sketch of theirs, where uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb are playing two Nazis that are in like a. <laughs> They're in a bunker or something like that. And one of them approaches the other. I I just noticed, I was looking at your uniform, and you have a skull on your cap and a skull on your lapel. And he's like, yes, yes, it's, we have skulls on there. And it's like, why? Why a skull? Is it possible we are the baddies? It's, it's funny because they talk about... Uh, Perhaps they're the skulls of our enemies, huh? Anyway, I'm not doing it justice. It it was a funny sketch, and it stayed with me all these years later. And so I, jumping off of that, I I did something a little bit similar here in the uh, Star Wars universe. There it is. And, (laughs) And You know, I read that book, the Inferno Squadron book, where there were the characters that were Imperials sort of an imperial uh, special unit, and they the whole story was told from their point of view. I fully expected in that book for the imperial characters to discover that the empire is bad and for them to blow their mission or defect over to the rebels, and they never do. They finish out the book fully committed to the imperial cause, and that, to me was really surprising and and brave in a way.
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I guess, you know, when you look at it, you wonder, you know, does anybody think that the Empire is, is the hero uh, when you see all this evidence otherwise? And uh, yeah, you just point that out pretty well from the kid's point of view. And they're just kind of like, Daddy. <laughs> you did it too. <laughs> when I was recording this with
1: Renee, afterwards she said... You know this feels really timely. This feels like you're talking about something else, 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 else and else. that hadn't occurred to me. Honestly, it was just me trying to find amusing things, like you know, uh, somebody who is a torturer on board the Death Star. Uh, that's their job. And <laughs> but she's right. When you look at it through what's going on in the world in politics today, it does seem a little bit on the nose, it does seem topical. And there are these characters, these, sorry, not characters, but real people who can shrug off, they can wave off whatever evil that they are doing, and still hold their heads up high and say, I am part of the good guys. Uh, and, and so That's what I wanted to do with this character. He is, he's sort of blustery and he's fully committed to the Imperials. (laughs) And, you know, just the idea of he has no compunction torturing children because they're bad, you know. And droids. I don't know if the story, (laughs) if the, the sketch is funny or if maybe it's a little too dark. But I I went ahead and I did it and uh, I had Renee, I said, okay, this is the accent. This is the voice I'm going to be doing for the father. Will you do something similar for the daughter? And she was up to it. Of course, she did a good job. (laughs) You know, he's got these precocious children and they have these questions. And every question that he asks makes them uh, a little bit more doubtful, I think, about the morality of their father. And so uh, I, I just, that's how I wrote it. I, I, I liked his stammering and his having an answer for everything. Yeah,
0: he's, he sees it as they just don't understand, you know, that they'll grow up someday and they'll realize what's really at stake here or whatever. Well done, sir. That was very good.
1: Anyway, I I
0: just came up with the idea
1: recently and I sat down and wrote it and I... So, so here it is. You know, we got it in as quickly as we possibly could. And that's, that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're, you're getting one out every month almost now. I, I need to do something to contribute here to the podcast.
1: I, I always have ideas for sketches or stories. Uh, right. Every single day I will have another idea. And I don't get to all of them. Sometimes I just think that, oh, it's not worth it or it's not that good. I lose interest. Other times I'm just, you know, I'm lazy. I, I'm in the middle of some other project and I can't get to that one. And then, yeah, there, there, there are the occasional ones where I write it and I don't think that it's very good and so I don't share it with anybody else. But this was not one of those. I have these ideas. I wanted to write the story of how Han lost the Millennium Falcon before uh, Force Awakens, and then I had that idea, and I know I talked about him on the show here, about Vader encountering somebody who's like a young woman who he knew when he was Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars, and he was on the same side as her, uh, and he he recognizes her. But of course she doesn't recognize him as Anakin Skywalker, and he's tempted to help her... because of who he once was no oh, yeah that sounds really good too uh and the the fun of that story is is vader too far gone is he too committed to the empire is it even in his character to be merciful to somebody like this it's possible in the new year that I'll write that
0: um, i I think I I'll have something for us to to do in January probably not by December but I was doing something that would be winter themed, so it takes place on Hoth, so previews of coming attractions, yes. So, but we've probably just about run out of time here, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode, it's kind of our our uh, last episode before we get inundated with uh, Mandalorian stuff, but uh, yeah, we'll have to figure out how we're going to tackle that, or if we're going to do every three episodes again, or try to do something more frequent or not, but stay tuned. We'll definitely be covering Mandalorian in one way or another. Um, so appreciate all of you listening and uh, feel free to contact us and at the uh, journey into podcast at gmail.com or the, on the voicemail line at seven J into one Oh seven. You can always reach out on Facebook or Twitter to just look for journey into there. And if you Would like to support us on patreon we'd love to have you over there Um, it's just a dollar a month there's uh, lots of extra things that I'm doing over there Uh, there are some some higher tiers as well Uh, but go to patreon.com slash journey into and check out what we have over there we'd love to get more of a community there and and you know have lots of people able to take polls on things and just just be involved in the podcast all the more whether it's delusions of grandeur or outfield excursions or the regular journeys i do it'd be a lot of fun to have you over there and it gives us inspiration to to keep doing this stuff yeah
1: see i don't know how how big your listenership is but i imagine that it takes a fairly big jump once new content starts once mandalorian starts up again people will be curious to hear us talk about it yeah maybe not marshall does a lot of stuff over for the patreon people he does an address and then he also does yeah for uh, sure something called comics cave
0: yeah i just did an episode of the comics cave on the uh, superman red sun series from a, a few years back I also talk about Star Trek over there and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, check it out. But enough plugging for now. We'll, uh, we'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your uh, October and look forward to more Mandalorian in the future. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. May the Force be with you. Yub nub. Nubby chub.
1: Chewie here says the Delusions of Grandeur podcast is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 license. That means you can copy this thing from the inner systems all the way to the Outer Rim Territories. Share it with Imperials or your basic rebel types. But you can't change it or try to sell it. If you're in it for the money, you'll have to deal with Chewbacca here. Wookies are known to pull listeners' ears out of their sockets when they misuse. Hey, it was the chair. I don't care what you smell.
2: Maduki, where do we go?
0: I think we're done, yeah.